What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Warrior Soul Podcast. Man, I am here with somebody today that I've been following quite a bit. I've been definitely vibing with the stuff he's been putting out there on Instagram and on his podcast. Uh, Garrett Jones, welcome to the Warrior Soul Podcast, man. How are you doing today? Thanks for having me on, mate. I'm doing great. Uh, as we were just talking off camera, it's nice to actually have this time to sit down, have a chat with somebody like-minded, maybe not like-minded on everything. We'll find out. But um, it's 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 so cool, bro, to like, you know, I was just kind of having a little complaint about how things are kind of going bad in some things in the world. But on the other hand, this ability to just like connect with people all over the world is a pretty cool time to be alive. Oh, absolutely, man. Like, I, I love the stuff you put out there uh, on, on your Instagram page. I love the the stuff you're doing on your podcast. For for the audience at home who might not know who you are, could you go into like a give them like a thirty second synopsis of your story, who you are, what you're doing, where you come from? Yeah, sure, mate. Um, so I joined the army um, before nine eleven as a reserves with the idea of going in for a full time career. I wanted to do the officer route. Um, I went to university and everything, did the degree in history and in politics. Um, and then I, um, I I thought I'd go out and do one one deployment as a uh, as a grunt just to kind of get a feel for it. I thought it would make me a better officer. And then I realized, you know, actually this is kind of where I want to be. Don't want to do the officer route anymore. Uh, I did back-to-back deployments in Iraq, 06, 07, uh, in the infantry. Then I went back out to, went to Helmand Province, Afghanistan, 2009, 2010. Um, and then honestly, I'd had my, I've, I kind of had my fill I got really lucky that I'd gone onto the tours at like the kind of like the peaks of both, you know, you call them insurgencies. And um, I just thought I've got everything I want here. So I, I went into, I um, I went, I started to, I, I become a physical training instructor in the army. So I started working in a gym. That really wasn't it for me. So then I started doing the uh, security on the ships, you know, around Gulf of Aden and all that kind of stuff off Somalia. And uh, then I did some West African jobs. And then I started writing while I was on the ships. And uh, that kind of took off for me quite quickly. And I've been writing full time now for about about five years. That's awesome. What, which genre? So I write everything, mate. So right now, um, I've got three books to write by the middle of um, January. and they're, But they're all for other people. So I, I like... It's a, a lot of what pays the bills as a writer is is ghostwriting, really. Like it was ghostwriting that enabled me to do this as a full-time job. So I'd say for every book that I write with my own name on it, I'm probably writing two or three for other people with their names on it. Um and um, you know, like that that could be really cool because you know, you learn from each one of those people. Like at the moment, I've got I can't really go too in into it, but I'll just say that one of the books is in like the world of like um nature one of the books is um like kind of uh the underworld uh, and the criminal underworld and uh God, what's the other one? Oh, the other one is a uh, military book so like you know three different topics um which i obviously have to research and everything like that so it's really kind of fun because i get to I, the other thing as well is i get to meet like really interesting people doing this and through the process you become you know you become like you get to know these people really well and become mates with them it's awesome. Um, and there's some of these people, you know, like people are paying these guys six figures for a speaking engagement and I get to pick up the phone and ask them all the questions I want for the book. So, you know, I think um, at first, I'll be quite honest with you, like a lot of young men, especially soldiers, I had a bit of a chip on my shoulder, like, oh, why can nobody recognize my genius? Why am I not getting paid <laughs> six figures for my own books? You know, but then I'm like, now I'm just like, yeah, this is awesome because 
one, I get to work with other people, which is, you know, nice, mm -hmm. but I get to look like every single one of these people, you know, I'm learning from these, these are people that I look up to and I get to learn from. And, um, it's really kind of, it's, it's, it's a nice balance to have, write my own stuff, write other people's. Um, and, um, by doing other people's, I think that I was able to transition like, you know, cause to be real, to be honest to me, a lot of people say I must've been really difficult to, you know, become for some writing stuff. I actually didn't find it was. And I think it was because of the willingness to just take on other people's work rather than say, no, I'm going to keep, you know, I'm going to keep waiting until I get that one huge deal myself. And then I could just do my own stuff. I'm like, all right, well, what will get me closer to my goal writing for other people? Cool. Let's do that. Went from there. Awesome. Awesome. Oh, and I also do screenplays. So we got a right now. Yeah, right now we've got a movie finished. Um, I did a movie with my bro uh, Nate Boyer, former Green Beret, Seattle oh, nice. Seahawk. Yeah, uh, we wrote a, uh, we wrote a movie together. We've got uh, Tony Gonzalez, Hall of Fame tight end, in there. We got Michael Strahan does a little bit in there. Um, we've got uh, Randy Couture from the UFC, and yeah. uh, we 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 wrote this together, 2017, and uh, Nate directed it. Nate acted in it. Did an amazing job. And um, we are hopefully very soon going to have um, the, the the big announcement on that about where it's going to where it's going to find its home. So, um, so that's been really cool. So th that's been the other. I've done a bit of uh, screen screenplay writing stuff. So I write everything, mate. That was a really long winded answer. <laughs> this is why I write <laughs> no, dude, books, mate. Awesome, I don't man. do sound bites. <laughs> I mean, part I need, of this I is need... these guys at home who are trying to figure out what the fuck to do with their lives, who who are feeling like same as you did. Why can't the world recognize my awesome genius and just <laughs> me this fucking career? Like yeah. they need to hear this shit, right? Like it's fucking, yeah. it, it, it's things that help to open up the community's eyes, man. Um, you know, we were, we were talking a little bit about the state of the world mm. uh, prior, prior to hit record here. And, and, you know, one of those things, like, I don't know, sometimes you're on Instagram and you see something that somebody writes and you just vibe with it. Right. And like, I vibed with a lot of the stuff you put out there. I think we have very similar um, mindsets when it comes to everything that's going on. Um, you know, and, and you're also in a different part of the world. You're in Wales. Um, you know, what do you think about us in the States right now and, and, and everything we're going through? I mean, everybody seems like they're on edge. We got this thing in Kenosha where everybody looks like they got their guns out ready to, ready to fight and and uh you know what what are you guys thinking over there about about us i think it's the same everywhere mate is that you've got these amplified voices on both ends of the spectrum and most people in the middle are just like leave me alone i just want to be left alone i don't care i don't believe in this side of the spectrum i don't believe in this side of the spectrum i want everyone to just be allowed to get along go through their lives you know, provide for their family and live life, you know, as long as you, I kind of like have that libertarian kind of point of view of, you know, just like, just don't do harm to other people and just do what the hell you want. Like really, I don't care if you want to, if you want to take heroin every day and it makes you happy, go and do that. You know, mm -hmm. if you want to, if you want to own a bunch of guns and you're not using them against other people, great. You know, whatever sexuality you are, I don't give a shit. Just don't enforce your views through you know with the use of violence on other people and and i honestly think that that's where most people's heads are at yeah. i do think i i do think though that that is changing because 
I, I think that most people were in the middle there, especially in somewhere like Britain. I think Britain was very kind of like just basically chilled, to be quite honest. I really think that most people here were very tolerant society, really didn't give a shit. Mm-hmm. But this constant media bombardment from one side to the other, the way that social media works, um, you know, I do think that more and more people are getting pulled from the middle towards um, the you know opposite ends of the spectrum, and I do think that that's very that's very dangerous. I am worried about like I, you know I, I kind of think I'm a bit of a critical optimist. You know I, I do think that humanity will continue to trend upwards, but at the same time I think that we might be going through we might go through a bit of a correction. You know we might there might be a there might be a few. I I do think that we are a long way from coming out of this bumpy couple of years i think we have at least a few more ahead of us but i was actually thinking about this yesterday because i've been reading a lot about the first world war at the moment you know i was thinking those guys went through four years in the trenches the yep. first uh, the second world war you know you're looking at really about a five or six year period there you know and, and i think these things tend to happen in like four or five year periods and i think we're, we're in one of those periods at the moment where it's going to be another few years before we come out of it I think the next elections in America, the next presidential elections, I think will sort a lot of stuff out mm-hmm. one way or the other. Um, yeah. It's either, it's good. It's going to be made. I think it's going to be a real make or break uh, moment. Um, but I think the world is so connected now that what happens in America, um, you know, like I look at Britain, Britain was going to go a totally different approach to COVID at the beginning of things. And then America, um, you know, America then decided to go into lockdowns and then Britain all of a sudden changed. And I think it's because we're so connected now with our media and everything that one country has to pretty much do what another country is doing in the West. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise you'd be like, well, hang on, like why are America doing this and we're not doing that? And your 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 politicians are almost held accountable in another country, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. You know, because Biden's, you know, Biden's decisions make a big deal. You know, they're, sorry, make a big deal. I can't speak honestly. <laughs> they make a big impact in the UK. You know, we are partners in trade. We're partners in the military. You know, with we and you know a lot of these, especially the last year and a half, things like COVID policies. Like if America had not gone into lockdown, I really don't think most Western countries probably would have done. But it's it's almost this all kind of like they're all in it together, and we see them at all these conventions with each other where they're clearly all getting onto the same. You know, like we have our separate government, sure, but then they go yeah. to these conventions, and you're like, they're all pretty much one. I'm not, I'm not talking new world order or any of that kind of thing. I'm really, you know, I don't think things have to be as sinister as or as as controlled as that. But when you're putting people together, and you get like you and I have similar ideas, if we sat down in the same room and had a summit together, we're gonna, we're not really gonna come away with drastically different ideas, are we? And I think that's right. the same as these politicians. No. You know? I- you're exactly right. I mean, they, they they tend to travel in the same circles, go to the same schools, exactly. get the same first jobs out of college, that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and and that's the way it works, right? And and I I think we in America, I think we like to think that we're separate from that because I know in the UK there's a set like Oxbridge system. A lot of the MPs come out of it. They all join these clubs and things like that. We have the same thing here, right? It's just not 
highly talked about, right? Like people tend to go to the same schools. Mm -hmm. They, 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 and that starts like in grade school, they go to these private schools and then it keeps going. And I'm not, I'm not saying anything that's conspiracy theory here. This is widely known fact. You could look at the biographies of, of each president of the United States, see where they came from. Um, you could look at uh, members of Congress, see where they came from. We're not so far apart from that aristocratic uh, thing that that existed in Europe that that we thought we revolted against and and yeah. I think that's what pisses a lot of Americans off. Um, I am uh, as I told you before I'm in I'm in America's wing, Florida right now, and um, you know one of the things I noticed was that the media, the way the media was covering certain things, was that you know I was talking to people from my friends from Europe, my friends from the UK. And they thought I had was like tripping over bodies to get to work because of COVID nineteen, and <laughs> yeah. and you know that that you know we had to to ration certain materials for body bags and things like that, and nothing was the case down here. I mean, our economy's been booming. Um, we've got a very low COVID rate. We've got a very low death rate right now, um, and we haven't ha endured the lockdowns. But the problem was the and and it goes both ways. The media here was also looking at some of the things going on in China and going on in Italy and going on in, in, in Europe in general and seeing some of the measures they were putting down. And so the media here was kind of pressuring the United States to go into lockdown and criticizing the Trump administration heavily for not doing so or, or, or resisting doing so. And I think that um, it goes both ways because like our, our media gets influenced by what, what happens over there in the UK. And then you guys get influenced in turn and it's this like cycle that goes back and but, forth but the media also like they're never going to come up with a, the best case scenario are they like they're always going to go with what is the what is the fear porn basically mm -hmm. and i just want to say as well i totally agree with you on the the like america, someone said to me recently on a podcast like you know what's it like having royal family and i'm like dude america has a royal family yeah you know like it's the same families all the time in at the top end of politics mm -hmm. it's exactly the same and maybe that's just a human thing but no mate you're right with uh you know the like you know we saw it with we it's one of the things i actually find it's really interesting about this whole covid thing is um it's so weird that as a society we don't seem to just be able to go this thing isn't as bad as we thought it would be what a great fucking relief mm -hmm. it's like we had these projections at the beginning which all proved to be wrong but we're still going, we're, we're doubling down on even harsher measures than yeah. what we had when we thought that the projections were right. Yeah. And it's, it's like nobody wants to go, this isn't as bad as we thought it was going to be. Right. Like, And why isn't that a good thing? I, I kind of say it's a bit like going like, it's like going to get your car fixed. You take your car into a mechanic and you think that it's going to need a whole new engine. He's like, no, I just got to change this plug. You're like, no, nope, I want you to hold, change the whole engine. <laughs> it's like, but bro, like, it's just a plug. No, I insist, take the whole engine out because you don't want to admit to your dad that it was because you told your dad the engine needed to change it and he said it was a plug and you don't want to admit that you were wrong. Right. And I think that to me has been one of the craziest things about this. So um, one of my friends messaged me last night um, that he knows now six people that have gone in for, and I, I just want to say as well, I'm pro-choice about pretty much everything. I don't give a fuck what you put into your body. I really don't mind. And I, you know, I want to put it into my body. What I want to put in, you put in what you want to put in. I don't, I don't need to know what you've done and what you haven't. Just good mm -hmm. for you. But what I will say is one of my friends had 
for um, he kn- he knows six people now who have gone in after having a booster shot who have gone in to the hospital with heart problems, uh, including his wife's uh, father. And you know he's trying to say to her like, look, you know he's never had problems with his heart before. He has the booster, then he has to go into hospital with a heart. Do you not think that that could be connected? No, no, no. It's just coincidence. It's just coincidence. You know, like I've had the reason I haven't had vaccine myself is because, well, I had COVID. So I just thought, okay, I've already had it. I was, I would say I had a cough for 24 hours at the most, and then I was fine. Um, and it wasn't a debilitating cough either. It was just like a tickle in the throat, you know? So I was lucky. I know some people aren't, which is why I really would never try and tell someone what they should do with it. But I've had two friends my own age, two of my best friends, who both got rushed into hospital with heart problems. One of them was there for a week. And there was a lot of other guys in their 30s who were on that ward who would probably not have been there otherwise. All the, all, what they all had in common was that they all just had or very recently had a vaccine. And, um, you know, that to me it's still you know it's a risk reward if you if you if i if i had diabetes and i was massively overweight then i'd still say well you know what i'm probably better off taking my chances but i just i i think i don't want to go as far as to say like they're the enemy because i think you know that that's that kind of language doesn't really help anything but i do think that if you are looking at what are the major problems that western societies face i think the corporate press is probably the biggest problem that the the, the, yeah. the West has, you know, hands hands down. Big time, big time. I mean, you can't trust anything anymore. And it's not because this is some conspiracy theory. Literally, they've lied to our faces over and over and over again. I mean, you couldn't get the media to admit that the Afghanistan withdrawal was a complete disaster. Mm-hmm. You couldn't get the media to ad- admit anything about Biden's cognitive decline, like, and they're lying to us over and over and over again about it. And it sucks, right? Because they, it's almost like they feel like the rest of us are stupid. And <laughs> get, getting back to that aristocratic thing here in the States, if you're not from like the New York city area or the Los Angeles area and, and maybe the Chicago area, people tend to look down on you. They look down on people who live in the middle and, um, I think that that's a huge part of what's going on here is that, you know, this, this group of people, and it's not, you know, it's not like, I I don't think they're the enemy either. I just think that, that they have a set of views and, and they're raised a certain way to think that they're smarter than everybody else and that they're special. And they, they, you know, believe that they know best and that they're mommy and daddy and that they're guiding the rest of the country toward this, quote unquote, better world. And it's funny, mate, because these groups of people, they exist in, you know, most countries will have their equivalent. So obviously, you know, if like, if you go down to, you know, I'm, I'm from a very like working class town, but I'd say, you know, I went to university myself. So I'd say, I'm not trying to say I'm from like a, a you know, like a poverty stricken family far from it, you know, but um, if you were to go down into town now, and speak to most of the people there, this being an old, you know, steel town and a coal town, right? That kind of attitude is still there of live and let live, mm-hmm. but also don't tell me what to do. I have rights, that kind of uh, attitude. Whereas when you go down to, and, and the other thing as well is like, I'd, I'd actually, I find these places to be a lot more inclusive. So when you go down to places like 
when I've been down in places like London, and especially, you know, my, my younger brother, I love him, but he is from the generation which are the ones that are kind of pushing what I think is far more divisive, you know, agendas. And they kind of, they they feel like they have this um, this worldview which is correct. And anybody who is outside that worldview is they're either racist, that, or, but they just don't know it. They're in denial about it. Or, you know, you can't possibly not share their views and not be racist for instance i use the racism one because it's a it's a you know it's a pretty of, of like a something that's probably consistent in every country will have this now and you know i'll say it to my, my brother i'll be like well look at my like look at my what i've done in life look at my groups of friends you know i don't need to say that i'm not racist because my actions in life mm-hmm. and my friends will, will show that i'm like you know your group of middle class educated english all of you are all of you are white all of you mm-hmm. have this upper education you know do you really think that you're in a position to lecture other people about race relations and things like that it's like where where's the diversity in your friend group right you know, where's where's the diverse like there's no one in your friend group who hasn't been to university there's no one in there from another. There's no. There's no one in there that's an immigrant or anything like that. You know, it's like your group. Like these groups are, you know, the most kind of like homogenous groups going, and yet these are the groups that tend to lecture everybody else on how to, you know, how to live. I'm like most of us know how to live. We just do it naturally. We don't need this kind of like this. It's almost like they have this. Um, you know, user manual about how they think that humans should interact that they work from. And it's like, you know, we don't need that. We, people know how, you know, people know how to coexist with each other. We do it very well most of the time. And I think, uh, again, it's where I, I just, I feel like, you know, there is such a thing as criminal behavior and we, yeah. we, do, we have, definitions in our own countries about what it is and it and it's it's a, a very weird thing about humanity that what is criminal in one country is not in the other which just lends to the idea that you know what really is criminal behavior and if you if you were to look at the amount of suffering and the amount of you know kind of carnage that comes out of the lies of the media and the way that they like you know so we've had for instance the Kenosha situation right now with Cal Rittenhouse um, I don't love the the idea of a 17-year-old lad going around on his own with an AR, not because I don't think he has the right, but just because I think this is just going to lead to an escalation in the situation. Mm-hmm. And that is why well, I'm coming at that point of view as someone from the military who is just thinking like just one guy out, on, well, not one guy out on his own, but this is just something that you're going to go out into a bad situation and it's probably going to get worse, right? Um, but, you know, you can look at what he's done there and, and and say that he put himself into a bad situation, um, which doesn't take away at all from his then right to defend himself. Right. But but then you've but then you know there are people in the press who will just jump on him for that. You know, well he inflamed the situation. He went there with a weapon. Blah blah blah. Maybe that's true. But let's look at everything that inflamed that situation to begin with. Right. All of the all of it, all of that situation was created from the press. Every single bit of it, every single one of those riots, every brick thrown was a re- direct result of the way that the press was stirring the country up. Oh yeah. Um and it's 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 very worrying to me mate because I just 
I've just seen it so much through through history. This this thing of you whip up a group, and you they, these people might not actually realize what they're doing. So maybe they are ignorant. I personally think that they have to know what they're doing. I just don't think anyone could be that stupid. But to to look at what they're doing and to not think where does this stop? You know, where is what is the point where they are, are the are the press going to turn around and say, well, okay, now we're gonna we're gonna totally scrap our model. We're no longer going to be about clickbait. We're no longer going to be about these like kind of rousing, aggressive headlines. We're no longer going to be about people like Don Lemon calling everybody under the sun a racist. You know, like this. You know, I'm, I'm rambling here, mate. But this is just—it's just really kind of. I'm, I'll figure right, out uh, as I go ahead. But it's like this: this the, the Rittenhouse situation, a white man shooting some other white men. Mm-hmm. white supremacy you know with racism <laughs> yeah, all no, this no, comes out right. and, I'm like, I mean, and I'm just like you you really have to stop this or this is go- like, it cannot continue without just a devastating at uh, some point something will spill over and what I will say about America man which you know I just really believe I that the resolve and restraint of your average American over this last year and a half has been huge mm-hmm. because I genuinely believe, to be quite honest, that there are people out there who are trying to push people into a violent reaction to then justify further kind of clampdowns on things like the Second Amendment. And I just got to take my hat off to the American people for not reacting, you know, and if to to not like all, all these overbearing tyrannical laws for people for not resorting to violence i think like it speaks really highly of like the character of like a lot of people well i do think it's huge i think that um what horrifies me is this uh back when when you and i were both younger men uh in the post 911 world in the united states being here um you started to see changes in language right so you know uh george bush was talking about freedom all the time and people who were anti-freedom and then we started changing our french fries to freedom fries and then we started you know uh getting rousted up in this kind of patriotic you know fervor and then you know we had this thing called the patriot act where we basically surrendered and surrendered any notion of privacy that we ever had and and you know um handed it over willingly because of fear. And then we actually, you know, we invaded one country to revenge for 9-11. And then we invaded another country because that bloodlust wasn't, wasn't satisfied and we needed more. Um, and the funny thing is a lot of the people who we see who are quote unquote woke right now, back then we're, we're very anti all this stuff, but I see this whole thing is the same thing. I see the the COVID madness. I see the 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 wokeness. I see the 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 calls for Kyle Rittenhouse's head. I see all of these things as the same people who sent us off on a stupid mission for a stupid war that should have never happened in the first place. And I think they're 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 pushing for something similar here. And there's a good portion of America that has been very tolerant of this. Um, but I think that if you push us too far, there's going to be a fucking blood bloodbath and that's fucking going to be horrible. I agree with you, mate. I think you're 100% spot on there. Um, language is really important. 
you know, language really matters. Uh, obviously, you know, the kind of the OG of this was George Orwell, 1984, when he talked about the Ministry of Truth and how they would rewrite history. And, and we're seeing that now. And, you know, we're, we're seeing this. One of the things that is is kind of quite obvious is they're, they're trying to break this contract. In the past, it was always like, you know, we are grateful for what you have now because of the sacrifices of what people did in the past. And, you know, you kind of try and build up on that civilization layer by layer. And I think a lot of this kind of villainization of people in the past, because like, look, anyone, if you, you and I today judged ourselves today against the standards we had 10 years ago, we would fail those standards. So when we're judging people from 50, 100, 150 years ago, they're always going to fail today's standard. And they should do, because if they don't fail that standard, it means we haven't progressed. So the fact that failing the standards is a fucking good thing, because it means we're, we're going on. Mm-hmm. But this, this tearing down of the people who were people that we looked up to and were grateful for is all part of this 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 kind of like you said this the language is 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 the other part of it in and basically altering reality you know we start to we we start to see people who you know we start to see, it's very easy to frame somebody as an enemy with a tiny a little bit of wordplay so uh, you know some of the the some of the most clever pieces of wordplay they've used recently be anti-vaxxer mm-hmm. you know because you don't believe in vaccine mandates, they will label you an anti-vaxxer, which is, you know, so you might have a very reasonable position, which is like, look, I don't believe in vaccine mandates because some people will have an adverse reaction to a vaccine. Um, some people might be pregnant and not want to get it. That's why I don't believe in mandates. But by calling you an anti-vaxxer, they take all that nuance out of the conversation and you just a anti-vaxxer or if you say look i think that we when we look at these look we can look at this information over the last year and see that over three trillion dollars of wealth has been redistributed from the lower classes to the to the billionaires we can see that no 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 conspiracy theory so you know you're a conspiracy theorist so every you know people latch on to that word then and everything that you have to say has to go through this this um, the lens then of a conspiracy theorist. So even if they want to believe you, and even if you're speaking sense, because that that, that little trigger, the con- like they heard they heard bump conspiracy theory, and then all of a sudden that little trigger goes. So they hear anti-vax, and that trigger goes. Someone said to me on social media, "With this, a lot of your posts come across as anti-vax." And I said, "Have I ever said that I'm against vaccine? No. Then why would you say that anything I've ever said comes across as anti-vax when I've never said?" that I'm against people have a vaccine. In fact, I've said the opposite. I'm very grateful that my grandma got to have a vaccine. Very grateful. I am. You know, so where would that come from? I know, oh, I don't, don't really know. I'm like, exactly. Because someone's just put in your head that anyone that asks a question is an anti-vaxxer. Or yep. anyone that says, anyone that says, I don't agree with what that person on TV is saying, has a conspiracy theory. You know, like... The, the the use of language, part of me, I take my heart off to a mate because, like, I'm yeah. like, almost like, fucking hell, you motherfuckers are clever. <laughs> like, you are yeah, very, yeah, no, exactly. This, this level of manipulation. But, um, you know, I, I forget the name of the guy now, but he's kind of the father of propaganda. And um, I forget his name is, um, yeah, so I apologize about that. But, you know, Gro- Goebbels. 
No, he was so Goebbels actually learned from this guy. He was an American guy that kind of came up with this, but Goebbels kind of like picked up the baton and ran with it. And you know, like just for instance, I and and this is where I get very angry with government is using terms, you know, saying things like uh, this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated and things like that, because there's no factual basis for it to begin with. But then it's that it's almost going back to that. These are the like you know like in the the Rwanda genocide you know you weren't killing humans you were killing cockroaches you know yep. It, it's yep. it's the same thing you start you you just start to dehumanize people oh, and yeah. you know people said people oh, well how could this group of people do that to another group of people well because they weren't seeing people you know right. and that and and then all this and then that is the problem this language now people and you know and then it's obviously the anonymity of social media is a big part of it as well. But even without that, we've quite clearly seen throughout history that you can dehumanize somebody and still be face to face and have no problem killing that person. And 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 I think, you know, for someone like you or I and the listeners, anyone that's been to countries like Iraq, you see that people can very easily do horrific things to their to their countrymen. Like so for you and I going over to somewhere, we don't speak the language. You know, we don't share the culture. We've already got that bit of dehumanization going. Mm -hmm. But the horrific acts that were taking place in Iraq and continue to take place there were not done by us against Iraqis. You know, it was done by neighbors, you know, raping, drilling holes in each other, you know, fucking the the torture chambers and stuff that they had going on there. Um, you know, and, and that is that all of that takes place because they dehumanize the other side. And that like you're you're just spot on, mate. There's this the change in the language that's going on now. It's kind of annoying because is it subtle? Yeah, but you and I can see it. Right. And you and I try and tell other people about it, and people just don't want to be told a, a lot of the time. Right. It, it's like they're blind to it or like they're so wrapped up in themselves that they, they, they can't see what they're actually doing. And, you know, one of the, I mean, here's a, here, here's some things to think about. I mean, the Salem witch trials weren't that long ago, right? They, it, it, you know, 1692, I think they happened, right? Friggin', those are the same species of human, the same biological species of human, some, some of whom are descendants of people who are still living here in the United States, who actually perpetrated that, you know, the, the Rwanda genocide more recently, same species of human that perpetrated that the Holocaust, same species of human, um, Soviet union, same species of human, right? All of these different things were, were, were perpetrated by people just like us in societies that, that, you know, they had normal lives, right? They, they were going about their business, right? They were, they were trying to accomplish something. Um, and it's it, it's crazy how people don't see that. We think we're above or beyond all these things right now when we're, we're, we're slowly drifting back toward it. I want to ask you this, because um, a lot of people don't know this, and, and I kind of fumbled at the beginning. I said, what part of England are you from? But, but a lot of people don't realize that the UK is is split up. You know, you've got England, you've got Wales, you've got, you've, you've got Scotland. Um, and, and I'm sure if I fumbled over there, I'd probably get hit in the face for, for, uh. <laughs> for certain things, but, uh, but, you know, being somebody who's from Wales, um, in the UK, 
there's there's a history there, right? I mean, mm -hmm. there, there's a history of of you know, um, you know, I, I I believe there was a mine that failed and lots of people mm -hmm. died and things like that, and and there's this kind of the separatist movement that was going on. What are things like over there right now for you guys? Yeah, I mean, so you know, there was obviously and this is one of the things that i always get wound up with history it's like people always try and paint this idea that like one group of history got like one particular like demographic of people got an easy ride in history whereas the reality was just like life has been hard for everybody and up until very recently i would say mm -hmm. and it's still very hard for a lot of people even in countries like america and britain a lot of people are a day-to-day -day, you know um but yeah there was a i would say like a a kind of like a socialist movement because like a lot of the industry here was like steel, coal, all that kind of stuff. Um, so it's always been quite like the the socialist party in the UK, like Labour Party, has always been, has had quite a strong foothold in Wales. Um, things started to turn a bit now. It, it always used to just totally dominate, but more people have been moving towards the conservative side of things. Um, the reason why was because, you know, someone like myself, I 100% believe that we should look after people in society that can't look after themselves. And if people are going through a bad few years, they lost a job, I want to help them get back on their feet and find another job. But I think a lot of people, myself included, were like, well, hang on, this is the third generation that this family is not working now. There's nothing wrong with them. They just don't want to fucking work and they're making more money than I am. What the fuck? Right. You know? So I think that that has started to change things now. But then on top of that, you then have the the kind of like you said the separatist kind of movement which to be honest it's it's really located in like west wales i don't think you'd find many people like i'm, I'm 20 minutes from england here there's not many people here because i think anybody with an ounce of sense knows um that without england wales is a third world country like we don't have industry anymore we you know most of the industry it's hit like in west wales relies on tourism um you know a lot of our money comes from English taxes. And it's the same with Scotland. Like, I really don't know what Scotland thinks is going to happen if they go their own way because they are, you know, disproportionately subsidized by taxes from, you know, England. But again, these politicians don't care because they're going to be, they're going to be all right. Their, their idea will be, well, we'll tax the hell out of the people who do, you know, who do have businesses here or who do have higher incomes. And those people are just going to move. <laughs> like, they'll just leave. And, um, you know, it's, it's, you see, you see it everywhere. It's like, it's kind of, like I said to you earlier, it's kind of the same as the situation in California, you know, the situation in California, the politicians think, oh, we'll just tax people more. People know, no, mate, I'm just going to leave. And that's what would happen in, in Wales. If Wales ever was, I don't think it would, to be honest. I, I think there was a bit of steam behind the movement a while ago, just in the sense of, you know, sometimes usually the only people that turn out to vote are the people that actually really care. And a lot of people didn't care one way or the other. So, like, the polls would always be a bit, you know, they only just scrape things anyway to get, like, this devolved parliament and stuff. But I think now people would be, like, if they came out and tried to go their own way, I think enough people would come out and just say, no, nah, fuck this, we want to be part. I, I want to be part of the United Kingdom. I don't want to, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very Welsh when we're playing rugby, but you know, <laughs> I, I'd, I'd have to be an absolute idiot to want a separate state for Wales. I wouldn't live here if we did. Um, I know, I, I think both of my parents would move um, because like if you've, if you've um, business, businesses and business owners have always been smashed in, in Wales. Like it's, they've always made it very hard um, 
uh, you know, it's, it gets to that point where you start to ask yourself the question, like, why am I working these extra hours? Because at the end of like, um, you know, at the end of the, all, all that extra, the extra hours you put in every week of every month of, you know, of every year, you're only like a little bit further ahead from your friends who just, who are just being employed by the state or something. Yeah. You're like, well, why am I, why am I fucking, bo- why am I bothering? I just punted the social life for a year. Why am I, why am I bothering? Yeah. And, I, and, and I think, we're kind of at that point now. I think businesses in Wales have been absolutely smashed over the last year by the lockdowns. Um, so one of the things which is just absolutely disgusting to me is the devolved governments in Wales and Scotland have basically just decided to do whatever the opposite England's doing. So when England shut down, Wales are opened with restrictions. When, when England open, Wales and Scotland shut down. And they're all apparently following the science. But, um, you know, they're clearly just doing stuff to point score against because they, they want to do something different. And we're doing it right now. You know, we, uh, most of Wales's population is very close to England. Mm-hmm. So right now in Wales, they're bringing in vaccine passports for bars. They tried to bring it in for restaurants, cinemas, that kind of thing. Thankfully, that got shot down just. Oh um, but people are just going, OK, fine. I'll just drive 20 minutes to England to go to a bar there. You know, so they're they're already. I think um, that I think the keep in mind that bars have been shut down for the best part of a year and a half. Um, mm. They're since they brought the vaccine passports in. I think they're down like another fifteen percent on their on their earnings, which is obviously the difference in staying afloat for a lot yeah. of businesses. You know, most yeah, businesses do not have restaurant. Yeah, they they don't have margins of fifteen percent that they can afford to 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 lose. So these politicians are just driving business. Uh, into the ground and, they, and they're doing it because they live in their own little fucking world and they'll do their little term and they'll leave and then they'll write their book. Um, and you know, they'll go on the speaking circuit and, and that'll be them and they'll leave the carnage behind and let somebody else worry about cleaning it up. Yeah. It's, it's so fucking crazy. Cause like I, I told you, I moved out here from California and, um, you know, being in Florida, a, a place that has no state tax and, and seeing, you know, the States run pretty efficiently. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in California, I, I didn't know what I was paying for, you know, like there potholes everywhere. You go to downtown LA, it's, I, I, I felt safer in Iraq than I did in downtown LA. Dude, I agree with you 100%. Fucking crazy. Right. Yeah. But like, you know, you have this idea of like tax the rich. Right. And, 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 I don't think pe- people have even an idea of what, the, what rich is because like, you know, somebody who makes seven to $8 million a year, um, right. They're, they're pretty well off, but those are the people that are keeping small business alive. Right. Yeah. And there's a difference between them and say Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk who have billions and billions of dollars. And one of the crazy things I just read is that, you know, George Soros got a stimulus check in the mail. like that's fucking crazy and 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 if you think that those people uh these billionaires and there's a list of billionaires who got stimulus checks in the mail Hmm. if you think that those billionaires don't know how to get around those tax loopholes you're fucking insane right you're fucking insane they they can make it look like they have no income right they can they they can borrow off of their stock tax-free it's fucking people are just so ignorant about this stuff no, I mean, I totally agree. Um, it's, you know, like, like I can't remember what the exact threshold is now, but it's probably, it's very similar to California's, but basically here, yeah, like once you're earning over like 40 grand, you're paying like 40% tax on it. Yep. 
And that's really like, that makes like 40 grand is not like, that's not even middle management level. So if you are a self-employed business person, you're probably going to be earning in that threshold. But, and you've got to give half of your income away. So it's like, how are you ever supposed to scale your business? How are you, how are you ever supposed to like be able to take that next step up? You know, because the idea was always be that you work hard and then the next generation that comes after you, your kids, you build something for them and then they get to come in and build on that. And then, you know, you, you build up and you build up and you build up. And, you know, here now we've got this, uh, you know, we have inheritance tax where I think it's every, anything over like 300 grand, I think it is. Um, you know, the state gets 50% of that when you die, you know, and that used to be that threshold used to be that it would only catch the wealthiest families, but they've never really adjusted it. So obviously with inflation and everything now, most families will fall into that. So it means when your parent dies for most families, you can't keep the family home anymore. You have to leave the family home because you owe 50% tax on that fucking home. And I just, I, I'm, I'm not against paying tax. You know, I, 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 but I, I am against paying tax that's just squandered and that's just wasted. I mean, I, I, I do think as well, that I, I do think the tax you, you do pay should be a very low, like, you know, like a federal tax, um, the federal tax. I, I really don't believe in like the, the state taxes that we pay. So like, right where we are here, um, we pay like one of the things we have to do is pay a council tax, like local council. We pay three and a half thousand pounds, which is about probably about five and a half thousand dollars at the point. Uh, and for that, we get our trash cans emptied twice a month. There's no streetlights. There's uh, the roads are, are totally fucked. There is no um, whenever you call the police, they don't show up. Like it, we, we basically get nothing. And it's like you know what? Fine, but let me keep that money. And then if a bunch of us, twenty families around here, want to pull together for security guard, uh, security guard, we could afford to have a full time security guard for this area. For a year for that money we could afford to empty our own trash we'll just pay a private company to come and take that stuff away so i'm like you know i see now it's like you know the country's like austria well the unvaccinated um can't leave their homes the unvaccinated can't use public transport etc etc all right fine stop taxing them yeah. you know stop stop extorting money out of people because it's basically what what you kind of have going on now is a protection racket Right. You know, because if you don't pay your tax, all right, cool. You're going in the fucking cage. Like, right. how is that anything other than a mafia style protection racket? Oh, exactly. It, it, it's exactly that. It's fucking, it's fucking insane, man. Yeah. These are fucking gangsters. They are, they are gangsters. I say this to people all the time. If Boris Johnson had tattoos on his face and was wearing, a, uh, was wearing like a wife beater, you'd have no problem looking at him going, that's a gangster. But because he wears a tie, people go, oh, he's not a gangster. Right, people. Yeah. I, I hate to say this, man, but a lot of people are fucking idiots. Like, oh, dude. Really, like, yeah, yeah. Most of the like, world. Most of the world. <laughs> because, like, you don't know what you don't know, right? right? But it's this. But then it's this. It's the double. What I just can't stand is the doubling down on something. So when you point out to someone like you know, people would say, "Well, you know, Boris Johnson is not is not a gangster because you know gangsters kill people." I'd be like, yeah. "We sell weapons to Saudi Arabia to drop on kids in Yemen." Right. What is that if not violence? What is, you know, is it if I don't pay my taxes, people will come into my house, they will break down the door, drag me away and put me in a cage. You're right. Is that not violence? You know, but the difference is, is our politicians, they get people like you and me to do the dirty work for them. Right, right. Exactly. 
Exactly. And and yeah, Biden friggin, you know, calls a drone strike, kills an innocent family, has no penalties whatsoever. Like yeah. it, it's it's fucking crazy, man. Um I want to talk a little bit about about your writing and the stuff you write for yourself. And I I know you've got a full uh, a few books out there. Um tell us about those and 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 how you kind of got started on this path. I know you you mentioned you were writing while you were deployed. But like, did you always want to be a writer? Like, how how did the stories come to your head? Yeah, I, I think so, mate. I think it's kind of like the same way that you just know that you want to be a soldier. You know, it's just in there and in you. And it's just, um, I don't know, maybe it's in the DNA or something because it's it just does just come naturally. Um, I kind of honestly just think of it as like, it's almost like, I, and I, I have literally no idea where this stuff comes from, but... I do think that sometimes I'll wake up and there's just a fully formed idea just there when I wake up. I don't know where that comes from. Um, I'm open to the idea of past lives. I'm open to the idea of collective consciousness. You know, I have no idea. Um, but I just know that sometimes I'll go to sleep and I'll wake up and there'll be a complete idea there uh, from start to finish with all the characters, all the arcs, everything. Um, and yeah, I, I like to write about a variety of stuff. I, I get bored doing one thing in anything so i write anything from the roman legions to uh because i very much like what you were saying earlier i don't think people change you know technology changes you know but people don't fucking change man right like they really don't and the more of history you read like i'm reading right now a book about the first world war and we could quite easily be talking about um they're talking about like these guys they're pilots in the first world war and they're sitting around like bullshitting and the, what their conversation could quite easily be the conversation about the pullout of Afghanistan quite mm. easily. And, you know, people really don't change. And maybe that's because we keep coming back around. I don't know. Maybe, or maybe it's just, that it's just our makeup, you know, like yeah. an ant, an ant from 5,000 years ago thinks the same way as an ant does now. So I don't see yeah. why that would be any different for human beings either. Um, you know, because in terms of evolutionary scale, like I mean, you know, like recorded history is just nothing. You know, we haven't we haven't been around long enough to change. You know, like the kind of like, you know, since civilization has been around, um, and um, yeah, like I, I guess I, I kind of am drawn towards war and conflict because that is where you see the real ends of like the humans' experience, the spectrum. Everything is intensified in in those arenas. Um, and that's just kind of, I think just where my head's at, like most of my dreams usually to tend to, I usually tend to dream about war or I tend to dream about crime and violence and that kind of thing. I don't know, man, maybe I'm just fucked up, but that's just what's in my head. <laughs> so that's why, that's what I write about. Um, I couldn't write a kid's book if you paid me, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know where to start, but this yeah. other stuff, writing about war, writing about soldiers, things I can just sit down and I just like, it, that just will kind of just you know people you know talk about flow state i'm not saying it's that easy every day i still have to work on it obviously like any craft but it comes naturally to me you know like um i, f I felt soldiering came naturally and i feel that writing comes naturally and to do anything else would just feel like i was going against what i was supposed to be doing you know and i have tried to do other jobs um and there are plenty of jobs today like this morning i really wasn't in the mood to start writing 
but once I sat down, it started, it, it was, it was coming naturally, you know, it, I didn't want to do it because to be honest, quite lazy. I want to sit down and watch a Patriots game from last night. That's what I wanted to do. But <laughs> I, that, that's what I wanted to do. But once I sat down, it came naturally. Whereas like, if I'm like, I have no kind of affinity towards mechanics. If I try and do something on a car, there's never a point where it floats. Uh, it's always a struggle, you know? And and I think that that's just kind of like, I try not to overthink it. It's just like, if something's coming naturally to you, if something's coming easy to you, if it feels right, you're probably doing the right thing. Have you ever done psychedelics or anything like that? Mm, yes. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, yeah. um, I'm a fan. Yeah. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a fan of, so I, I didn't touch a drug until after I was in the army. Mm -hmm. So people now, they always think like, oh, you're so pro drugs now. It's just because you got thrown out of the army for using all that stuff. This is one of the things that people jump to. I'm like, no, but I do think that it's quite insane that in order to literally save my life when I was struggling with PTSD, I had to break the law. Mm -hmm. Seems quite insane. And again, right. I just think like, you know, it's why I just think the law is a fucking joke to be quite honest. Yeah. But, you know, I'm a big fan of MDMA. Nice. Um, I'm a, a fan of DMT. I'm a fan of like I just basically all, all the kind all, all, all the psychedelics and stuff. I think mm. you know, and and the same with 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 rights come responsibility. You know, that's true for drugs as well. I have friends that say to me like, "Oh, I've never had a good experience doing something like you know ketamine." Mm -hmm. I'm like, "Well, do you meditate?" Do you sit alone with your thoughts? Do you go for a walk for an hour without music and just listen to your thoughts? If you don't do any of that, then yeah, you probably are going to have a bad time when you go on a psychedelic right. trip. Right. You know, like it's, so I, I, I think, uh, I saw this, uh, like this old school SAS guy he was on, he was on a program where they gave him drugs and he was talking about what an awful experience it was and how nobody should do drugs and everything. And I thought I got to speak out against it. Usually I try not to comment on other people's stuff, but right. I thought this, this guy could be turning people away from something here, which could save the life. Yeah, exactly. So, but he was, he was like, Oh, I had this awful, like he, he did a MDMA and he was like, it took me to places that I didn't want to go and all that kind of stuff. I'm thinking like, that's not the drug, mate. That's right. you never having worked through any of your issues. Yeah. And, and also the first time you're taking a drug, you're doing it with a bunch of cameras in your face, lighting in your face, a, a, yeah. a film crew that you don't know. Like, yeah, no fucking shit. That's going to be a bad experience. Whereas like, I kind of like, you know, think of things like, you know, MDMA and stuff. And I, I do, it's been a while. Like I, I, I would, you know, I'm going through a period of sobriety at the moment. I like to do a few months a year where I don't drink. I don't do anything, you know, because I think that's important as well. You know, I think it's mm -hmm. all, all ends of the spectrum are important, but I think of it as like, you know, if your brain is a, if you've got a mansion in your, in your skull, mm -hmm. like when you're your sober, normal self, you know, a few rooms in that house. And you don't have the keys to the other room unless you sometimes you need something like a substance or whatever to, to or maybe not even like, it doesn't even have to be a substance, but a different experience. So like the experience of being on top of a mountain might open a different part in your brain, right? The same Correct. as taking MDMA might open. And I, I do think as well as like, once you've opened those doors, you don't necessarily need the drug to go back through them. So like you can like, it's not as intense, obviously, but you know, one of the things that when I first did MDMA, I realized was like, I was like, Oh, everyone's, I just had this like great feeling of empathy where I'm like, we're all going through shit. We're all doing our best. You know, 
like it just made me feel a lot more connected to people and that has stuck with me now you know yeah. since since then and stuff so yeah so that was a very long-winded answer mate of saying that yes i have i am a fan and i do believe that um um i mean fucking hell i could we could do a whole po- podcast about the war yeah. on drugs but, but but basically to me like the war on drugs is one of the greatest like perpetual crimes which yeah. is which was which is put on human beings it's one of the most corrupt things in our history as yeah. human beings it's, it's awful i'm a i'm a huge fan of psychedelics i've done dmt mdma mm-hmm. uh mushrooms lsd um microdose levels and things like that and and uh you know i i i didn't touch any of that stuff till after i got out of the military i was brought up with those stories that if you take lsd you'll go insane <laughs> yeah. that kind of stuff but like I mean, they brought me to some uncomfortable places, but I learned a lot about myself and my weaknesses through that process. And, you know, I think that, um, I think it's, it's so dumb to say, no, you can't explore that or no, you can't do this or, or I had an awful experience, so you should never use it. And, 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 and I think that's uh that's a bunch of garbage. And I think that, that there's huge possibilities for the veteran community in, in, in that realm. Massive. And just for people in general, bro, honestly. Um, but it's, you know, cause you're like, you're right. It does take you to some places. Sometimes you don't want to go, but those places are there for you when you're sober too. It's like, not like you didn't know about that place, you know, mm-hmm. like it's like that, that it just makes you maybe like have to confront things and, and work through things. Um, but then I think, well, if I'd have had ability to use MDMA, let's say when I was it, like got back from Afghanistan, would I have ever, would it have ever have got to the point where it was, a, you know, where it was built up so much? Probably not, right. you know? And right. the other thing was with drugs as well is when I did start using them to kind of try and um, help myself, I went down bad paths and did wrong things with them because I wasn't able to access information. I wasn't able to talk about it. I It was a, and there's this, you know, massive shame and stigma around it which doesn't really help your healing process but mm-hmm. until you come to accept that, like, you know what, this is actually okay. Like at first you're like, what the fuck is wrong with me? I am going to, I'm going to end up being this useless, um, you know, person on the street because I, you know, did drugs. And I just think like, if we just took that way to begin with, we've right. already fucking done a lot of healing. Like, cause that, 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 that is this like self-perpetuating, you know, cycle. And, uh, I think I was this guy, Dr. Carl Hart, he was on Joe Rogan mm-hmm. and he said something great. Cause Rogan was like, well, I know people that like, you know, they don't coke and stuff and they get really paranoid about it. And Carl Hart's like, well, yeah, because they know that if people find them doing it, there's going to be consequences, yep. including possibly going to prison. So that would make you paranoid. And Joe Rogue's like, oh yeah, I never thought about it like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm yeah, like, yeah, of course. Exactly. Like if you thought that, it's like, if you thought that you were going to, if I'm having this cup of tea now and this, this tea is illegal and if mm-hmm. the cops catch me having this cup of tea, I'm going to get put in a cage with fucking violent criminals who might rape me. Then, right. Yeah. I'm going to be paranoid about having a cup of tea. Oh yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, hopefully 10 years from now, we're not being paranoid about, you know, podcasting across some secret network because everybody's <laughs> trying to cancel us. So. <laughs> but mate, it's, it's, it's just true. I, and I just think like, again, I, and I'm not, you know, I, I very much believe in 
if you are going to do like so for instance like i don't use before um, i got my testosterone done recently mm-hmm. um because i just felt like i felt like it was low so i was like i got a blood test and um you know it came back low and i'm like all right cool now i'm gonna you know get on get, get on testosterone but my you know i've i've done anabolic steroids in the past mm-hmm. and um the reason i stopped doing them was because i was like can mm-hmm. i look at myself in the mirror and say that i am already working as hard as i could work Am I really dialing in my program? Am I really fully present in all my sets? And because I couldn't say yes to those, I was like, well, you don't get to play the steroid card because yeah. you're not doing you're not doing all the others. And it's the same with psychedelics and stuff. Um, if you're not doing the work on yourself, if you're not reading, if you're not meditating, if you're mm-hmm. not going for exercise, if you're not trying to connect with yourself in other ways, well, you probably shouldn't just be throwing drugs at yourself either. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 a balance. But I just what what it fundamentally comes down to for me is that the idea that anybody else other than you or me gets to decide what happens with our consciousness. That to me is I'm not going to go as far as to say like, look, we are slaves to the state because at the end of the day, we're not getting whipped, we're not getting, you know, fed to dogs or any anything like that. But right. But can we say that we are truly free in our countries when we do not get to control our own consciousness? I don't think you can. I don't think you can be a free human being if you do not have control of your own consciousness. Right. I I 100% agree with that. What what type of stuff do you read? Mate, to be honest, I I actually read way less now that I'm a writer than – than I did when I was, uh, you know, beforehand, because a couple of reasons, one, it's time. And the other is I always see like, oh, you know, like it just, if it's a good book, it inspires me to go and write. And if it's a bad book, I think I could do better. I'm going to go and write. (laughs) So um, I I have to really stick time aside. And so I would get more reading done when I used to travel before COVID, when I'd fly a lot, I'd get a lot of reading, a lot of my reading done on flights and, and that kind of thing. Um, but um, I, I tend, I, I really enjoy reading memoirs for like war memoirs. I really enjoy reading those. Um, that's probably the staple. And then audio book wise, that's where I will get like my nonfiction in. So mm-hmm. you're Mal- Malcolm Gladwell, Seth, Ro- uh, not Seth Rogan, what's his name? Seth uh, Golden, guys like that. You know, I kind of, I, I enjoy, like I'm, I don't really consider myself a businessman, but I enjoy books about business and stuff mm-hmm. because it's just something that I kind of just like, like, um, same way as I enjoy like a book about someone that's like a high achiever in athletics or something. It's like, it's not my field, but I enjoy listening yeah. to that kind of, that kind of thing. But that I tend to get through audio books, but dude, po- I think one of the reasons I don't read as much now is because of uh, podcasts. Yeah. You know, like they've kind of, they've filled that kind of like that educational space or entertainment space, you know, podcasts have kind of come into that. And I think because I sit down so much for work, unfortunately, I, I just can't, write and be on the move doesn't it's impossible because of that when i do get time to it's like right this is my time for learning if i can go for a walk and listen to something um then i'm going to choose to do that rather than right and i'm going to sit down and do you know do some more reading so like i i could never stop buying books but i do think it's going to be one of, it's one of those ones i'm like okay well when i get to this point then i'm not gonna to have to write as much and i could start reading more but um, yeah, it's, it's, I, I really don't get to read that much, mate, to be honest, anymore. It's, uh, I need to try yeah. this more. Yeah, it's 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 so hard. It's so hard. But um, I try to do a little bit every day. Um, but 
yeah, um, and audio books help and, and podcasts and, and, and all that stuff. But yeah. And there's so much out there to read every time I'm, exactly. I'm like getting into a book, I find another one that I really want to read. And then I'm like, shit, I should go read that one. But well, that, um, and that's just the, the thing in general now, mate, as well is like one of the other things I think is so amazing about the time that we're living in is like, it's like before you were just really like, it would come down to ha you happen to come across something in a shop or somebody mm -hmm. would recommend it. But yep. now it's so easy to seek out this stuff. And like you said, like just there's, there's, there's just book after book after book. And, you know, one of the amazing things about, you know, being alive is just knowing that you're never going to, there's, you're never going to, you're never going to max out on mm -hmm. on knowledge you're never going to max out on on stories and i don't think i, I don't think i ever get tired of reading about you know s stories from guys in the first world war and second world war. i don't think i could get, i don't think i could possibly get tired of that yeah no absolutely there's and there's so much there man mm -hmm. um what uh what's your daily routine like it, it, it depends mate honestly um mm -hmm. so right now it's fucking kind of like a bit jacked up because like i'm telling you you know we've got this moving out this uh, house and everything and but in an ideal world i'll go through the, the ideal world i'll get out of bed i'll take a piss i won't even bother cleaning my teeth i'm just going to be honest i'm going straight down to the laptop i'm going to sit down i'm going to start writing mm -hmm. um and then i'll probably write for a few hours um they'll probably be after a couple hours probably start get feel a bit hungry I'll get some food in and then about an hour after that i'm going to take a break i'm going to train i'm going to get, get do my first kind of workout and then um, I'll probably then I'll have a bit of a break after working out where I eat lunch, get on my phone, emails, that kind of thing, get back down to a bit more writing, then do a second workout after dinner in, in the evening. And then the evening then will kind of be, um, you know, bits and pieces like the podcast, emails, um, just trying to like, like maybe like, so I'll have people ask me, can you, can you read over this for me? Can you do a bit of work? You know, like a little kind of like bits of work, but the meat of the work I like to do. Like if I, um, if I ignore my phone and everything like that, when I get out of bed, I can have my real work done for the day within two, three hours of waking up. And then everything else on top of that is, is extra. But if I do a solid two or three hours of like concentrated writing, when I wake up, that's equivalent to like, I think like five books a year if I did do that every year. So yeah, you really don't have to do like, it doesn't work out quite like that because you, there's editing process and, and everything like that. But I just know if I come up in the morning, get a solid two, three hours in, then my career will, my, my career will be good. I'll, I'll, I'm going to make money and I'll continue to progress. So that first few hours is crucial, but yeah, it's, it's the, the biggest thing for me is just don't look at my phone when I get up. Mm -hmm. Um, but that you know, but then life gets in the way. It could be someone you know, if yeah. my family needs something or something, and you know, I can't do that in the morning. And then it, that's when the like the writing. If I come back to writing in the afternoon or the evening, it's never mm -hmm. as good as what I get done in the morning. Like that's yeah. just yeah. the prime time. And I think it's just because you just wake it up, you're focused. I'm in. I'm, and you know that 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 to me is when the best stuff gets done. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, before we go, I want to talk a little bit about your show too, because you've got a podcast. It's called Veteran State of Mind. Um, how long have you been doing that for? I think, mate, I think it's going on for years. I was trying to think about this yesterday. Um, but yeah, I started it a few years ago, really 
well, a couple of reasons. One, I guess saying to you earlier, I wanted to, a reason to box off time to talk mm-hmm. about stuff because working on my own, it's quite easy. Like I did it, um, you know, I, I can go a week with literally not seeing anybody, just mm-hmm. fucking going head down in the bunker, just yeah. writing. Um, so th- there's that kind of side. It's a, it's a good way to catch it. I have a lot of my friends on the podcast, mm-hmm. so it's a great excuse to be like, look, here's two hours where we're going to talk to each other, you know? It's awesome. It's also, it's also a great excuse to write things off my taxes when I travel around America. <laughs> so, <laughs> yep. um, so that that's part of it. And also I thought, you know what, like in this day and age, if you are self-employed, you're it, it's kind of uh um you know you're letting yourself down if you don't have a podcast really because mm-hmm. it's just it's it's almost like not having social media or something i'm like you know even if it sells every time we release a book even if it sells an extra let's say 50 copies well that you know that 50 copies could be the difference between making it into a chart and not you know not making it into a yeah. chart and it's just yeah. i just didn't see a reason not to do it i guess yeah. you know there's oh. there's no reason like not to do to not to do one um, yeah. And then obviously, like on the back of that, it's I, I never set out with the intention of oh, this is going to really be help, that helpful for other people. To be quite honest, but then when you do get those messages and, and stuff from people, and now you know we have a regular listenership now, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's really cool that, yeah. that, that these that these people are tuning in to it, and we have guests, we have like the I try and what I really wanted to do with the podcast was not just have like. Right, these are your well-known veterans that are like hundred thousand followers, whatever. Right, right. You need you need those to grow it. But I wanted to have on Joe, who was an infantier who is now a truck driver. You know, mm-hmm. because like his experience is no less valid because just because he isn't on TV, right? You know, like mo- very few veterans end up in the public eye. Yeah, um, and I wanted and I wanted to have those veterans on because you know, like. Their, their stories matter, you know, mm-hmm. and, and their experience matters. And quite often, they're just as fucking funny and as knowledgeable as any veteran that's on TV right. or something, but they just happen to be on a different life path. Yeah. So I, I I think I'm quite happy with, like, the balance that we have, you know, that we have on there. But it's been great, man. It's a great excuse to get in touch with people as well because you can just be like, instead of just being like, hi, I'm just creeping, you'd be like, we'll come <laughs> on the podcast. But I, I, I love it, mate. And um, yeah. I just... I I think as well, like it's very important. I hate that I hate the whole boohoo veteran thing. Oh, like, mm-hmm. oh god, yeah. PTSD. It's like it's like well, I, you know, I, I really disagree with that because every single human being has a sob story about something because we've all you can't go through life and not suffer. Right. You know? Uh and I just think that it's really important to get the um the messages out but what i will say is i do i never saw it going this way mm-hmm. but it has also started to more morph into a almost like a libertarian kind of like I, i'm not saying like I'm, I'm not very like doctrinally sound on libertarian stuff so mm-hmm. when i say libertarian i'm not talking about you know I'm, I'm not talking about economics and stuff like that i'm just talking about the principles of live and let live right uh, and i and i never thought that was never the plan for it but with what's been happening in the last year and a half, I thought I don't, I, I can't n- ignore this. I can't not talk about this stuff. You know, I'm not just going. I'm not going to pretend that isn't. You know, that isn't happening. So right. the guests I've been having on have been maybe a bit more political. You know, maybe more like we, you know, maybe the the podcast has become a, a bit less about like let's hear about your success story and more like how do we get out of this fucking. Right 
you know, yeah. how do we get out of this trouble? And, and I just think that like, that, that has to be the way because unless we have personal freedoms, well, it, you can hear all the success stories you want, but if you're not allowed to go to work, it's, no, exactly. it's really not going to exactly. matter. So yeah. yeah, that's kind of where we're at now, mate. No, oh, definitely. Definitely. Well, I really enjoyed this conversation, man. I, like I said, I've been, I've been following you for a while and like, like I actually, I think I was following you before I actually knew who you were. Like, just because like, I love the stuff you were putting out there. And I think you got, you know, one of the best Instagram pages on in the community, love your show, love everything you're doing. And, uh, you know, how, how can people find you? Well, thanks, bro. And you have to jump off Bachelor State of Mind sometime, man. And Definitely, we can, man. Yeah, you, Definitely. We, we, we could get more of get more of your of your brain picked. Um, where am I on Instagram? At Veteran State of Mind. Um, it's just one word at GRJ Books, Golf Romeo Juliet Books, um, vsonpodcast.com. Um, that's got if you go to vsonpodcast.com, it's got link. You can sign up to like newsletter and stuff there, which I'm really kind of trying to push now because I have had my page pulled a few times on, on Instagram. And I think it's, yeah. it, I, I just think with Instagram, it's a matter of like when, not if yeah. like any, any page with like a dissenting opinion is going to get pulled off there. Yeah. I think probably like, I think I generally think the run up to like the next election, I, I think I'm going to give you one, <laughs> one little conspiracy theory before we finish. Um, I think that the reason that people's page, like that it's not happening now, is because if it happens now, there's time for some kind of like parallel platforms and stuff to come up before mm -hmm. the next election cycle. I really think that they're just kind of like letting everybody stay there, letting everybody be comfortable. And just before the next election run, I think anyone with a page that has a dissenting opinion, those pages are just going to be gone. Um, you know, like a bit of a blackout. So um, if I'm like, uh, I'm just trying to get like trying to get ahead of it, build an email list so that I at least have a way yeah. of like keeping in touch with people. But mate, yeah. thanks so much for today. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, man. No, it's been it's been awesome. And like it's like you said, it's just great being able to connect with people around the world, like minded individuals. And and you know, that's what this community is about. Um, you know, I I'm a big believer in the, the veteran community being the sleep sleeping giant in this country, but also in the Western world in general. I think that 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 some of the things we've been through uh, cross all international boundaries. And um, you know, when I get to see a guy like you, who's who's doing amazing things and putting great things out in the world, I love it, and I I always want to talk to you. So, well, I appreciate it, brother, and I look forward to talking to you soon on a veteran state of mind. Absolutely, my man. Um, to everybody out there, I'm going to have uh, links to, to Garrett's stuff all um, on the show notes. And I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation. Um, I, I know I did. Get out there and live your best lives while you can. This is Chris and Garrett, and we are out.